0: You're listening to Productive Catholic Mom, unpacking awesome ideas to become our greatest selves. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Productive Catholic Mom. I am so excited that you are here with me today because we're going to talk about something really, really fun, one of my favorite topics in the whole world, and really the reason why I started this podcast, and that is behavior change. How do we change our behavior? How do we create a behavior that we want to create? And how do we avoid behaviors that we want to avoid doing? I don't know why this popped into my head today, but this is something that I read about a long, long time ago in one of my many behavioral science books that I absolutely love to read for fun because I'm a nerd like that. And basically what it says is we do an action when the pain of inaction becomes greater than the pain of doing the action. So basically, we do whatever is easiest. We do something because not doing it would be harder than doing it. And that to me is really the crux of all behavior change. That's it. We do things because they're easier than not doing them. And we don't do things because it's easier than doing them. And if you think about it, that really does apply to absolutely every single action you do in your life. You Clean your kitchen because it's easier to clean your kitchen than to not clean it. The pain of not cleaning that kitchen gets to the point where you just realize, okay, I'm going to clean the kitchen because it's easier than looking at this mess. One example I can think of is my bedroom. That is the last place in my house that ever gets cleaned. I don't know if you guys have this issue too, but that is always on the back of my to-do list when it comes to tidying up my house because nobody sees it but me and my husband. It comes last because my kids don't have to deal with it. Visitors don't have to deal with it when they come over and I'm usually pretty sure no one's going to see it. So I do eventually clean my bedroom because eventually the pain of walking into my room and seeing all of the clothes that I've thrown on my floor gets too great for me. And I kind of hit a wall and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. This is too painful to walk into my bedroom and see this mess. So I decide that the pain of spending 20 minutes cleaning up my room or 30 minutes, I don't know if I vacuum and do a really good job, that is easier than staring at this mess all day. Here's another example that I have been struggling with recently. And it's embarrassing to admit, but my three-year-old has been watching way too much TV lately. And you know why that is? Because, well, number one, I'm busy a lot with the other kids doing school and with the, the littlest one who's one. But also because it is so much easier for me to let him watch TV and not have to deal with him. And also, I know that when I turn off the TV, he is going to throw the mother of all tantrums. That is the phase that he is in. So... I may think to myself during the day, oh, I should really turn off the TV. He's watched two pop trolls and it's time to turn it off. But then I'm like, oh, but I'm going to have to deal with the pain of dealing with this huge tantrum that I know is coming. So tell you the truth, sometimes I let him watch an extra show or two and I put that off until the pain and the guilt of knowing that I have let my three-year-old watch way too much pop troll becomes too great for me. And it becomes easier for me to go, okay, I'm going to face this tantrum and turn off the TV because I would rather do that than face the pain of this guilt that I'm having right now. Another example that comes to mind is back when I started my personal training business years ago, I remember having a lot of clients come up to me and say, I have had it. I've hit rock bottom. I am done. I'm ready to change. And that was always music to my ears as a trainer because I knew that this person was saying, I have been through so much pain and I am in so much pain that I have reached that tipping point where getting in shape is going to be less painful for me than continuing on my way of life of eating junk food and not exercising. So that was great. And then as a trainer, I used that by holding them accountable and reminding them of that pain every week when I would see them and point out, oh my goodness." remember how you felt when you first came to me and we first started working out look how far you've come and don't you feel so much better and that was my way of reminding them of that pain and keeping them at the forefront of their mind because as you may know when you start out in an exercise or healthy diet regimen it is easy to forget that pain and that's why we slip back into our old ways after a couple of weeks we start going oh man that chocolate cake looks really good Who? why am I doing this again? Why am I eating rabbit food again? (laughs) And it's easy to forget. So that is why hiring somebody to help you stay accountable can be really helpful. So you may be saying to yourself, okay, Dee, this is really good to know um, if I'm like a psychologist or something like that, but how in the world is this going to help me in my day-to-day life? Well, this is a really great concept to keep in your mind and start noticing how this relates to the things that you do during the day and the habits you want to form and the bad habits that you have. Um, because there are some things that you can do to nudge yourself into a good behavior or out of a bad behavior on purpose. So the way you want to think about implementing this into your life is you want to make the things that you want yourself to do easier to do, and the things that you don't want yourself to do harder to do. There are lots of scientific studies out there that show that making a habit just a little bit more inconvenient can completely erase a habit. Or, by contrast, if you make a habit a little bit more convenient, just easy to do, then you can create a new habit. So this is where you need to start thinking outside the box about the habit that you want to create or change. And you need to take into consideration your personality and your tendencies as well. So for example, if you are the type of person that does really well with outside accountability and you tend to... Uh, really want to reach other people's expectations, meet other people's expectations, um, then you might be one of those people who does really well hiring a personal trainer or a coach or joining some kind of support group or having some kind of accountability buddy system. Because maybe when you're all by yourself and nobody's watching, you're not going to do the habit. But if you have somebody else you have to check in with, it makes it easier for you to do the habit than to not do the habit. Now that doesn't apply to everybody. There are certainly people people out there who are, it's easier for them to meet their own expectations than other, other people's expectations. And that's where you just have to know yourself. If you're one of those people who's like, if somebody else wants me to do it, I'm not going to do it, then you're probably not going to do so great with outer accountability. So that's one example. Another example of how to use this concept in your daily life is think of how you can make this habit easier for you to do. So for example, if you want to start exercising, you could do what BJ Fogg did did in the book Tiny Habits. Now that book is all about how you just make your habits so small that you can't say no and you just build consistency. So what he did was he did one push-up every single day. That was all he required himself to do was that one push-up. So what he found was when he made himself do the one push-up and he got to check this off his list every day, he just instilled that habit so much that There were many days where he decided to not just do the one push-up, but he did, you know, 10 more, 15 more. And before you know it, he was doing a load of push-ups a year later, and he still has this habit of doing push-ups every day. So you could do something like that, like in tiny habits, where you make the habit so small that you can't say no. If you're trying to drink more water, you could say, okay, I'm going to drink one sip of water every morning. Now, the idea is you only require yourself to do that one sip. Once you've done it, you're done. But the funny thing is, you're going to end up drinking more than one sip of water every morning, and before you know it, you're probably going to be drinking a whole big glass of water every single morning, and it will be easy for you. So start with something that's super duper easy, you cannot say no, and then you have removed all the resistance. It's easier just to do that thing, check it off your list, pat yourself on the back, than to not do the thing, because it's so small and so easy. Now, if you're dealing with something that you don't want to do anymore, then you could make that habit harder to do. I promise you, if you just put a little bit of resistance in the way of you doing this bad habit, it will become easier for you to resist. So, for example, I used to have this habit of eating chocolate chips like every day. And it was, it started out really innocent. It was like, oh, I'm just going to have a few chocolate chips as a treat. And it became. (laughs) a monster. I did not know when to say no to the chocolate chips. So what I eventually did was, you know what? This is becoming so ridiculous that I need to get these chocolate chips out of my life. So I stopped buying them. And then later on, my kids wanted to make chocolate chip cookies. I ended up buying them, but I realized, hey, Here's what I can do. I can just not look at the chocolate chips all the time. So I wrapped them up in tin foil and put them at the top of my pantry so that I didn't see them every time I walked into my pantry. And you know what? It worked. Just not seeing that food made me less likely to want it and I broke my habit. So it is true that if you expect yourself to have this iron will and resist junk food all of the time, That is going to be a real uphill climb. It is much smarter to design your environment so it's harder for you to eat those foods and they're not staring you in the face all the time. Number one, every time you walk past that bag of chips and you look at it, it's like bing in your mind, bing, bing. Oop, you could eat some chips. Oop, you could eat some chips. That'd be good. And then you have to talk yourself out of it every single time if you're trying to avoid the chips. What's more, Every time you see those chips, your body literally starts getting ready to eat. Did you know that? You release insulin as if you are sitting down to a meal and your body's going, okay, ready to eat. I'm ready to digest some food I start making some saliva so we can digest that food that you're about to eat. And then you have to talk your brain and body down. Oh, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to resist. We're going to use our iron will. So it is much smarter to design your environment so that you don't have the chips on the countertop all the time. Or better yet, don't even buy the chips at all. Believe it or not, your kids are going to survive without potato chips. I promise you. And so will you. And if you don't have a problem with resisting junk food, you can ignore that. But you could apply this to other habits that you want to do. If you want to start flossing your teeth, for example, you could do what James Clear did in Atomic Habits, one of my favorite books. And he decided he was going to make his habit of flossing his teeth irresistible and super easy. So what he did was he, like BJ Fogg in Tiny Habits, he said, "Okay, I'm just going to floss one tooth, just one tooth every day. And so what he did was he put a bowl of those little floss picks on his countertop in the bathroom so that every morning he would have to look at that bowl. And it was easier, obviously, to just do the thing, floss the tooth, be done, than to stare at that bowl of floss while he's brushing his teeth and then never touch the floss. The pain of not flossing his teeth became greater than the pain of just doing the thing and flossing his teeth. So I thought that was pretty genius. So that is the concept, and I hope that you have some ideas now about how to create a behavior that you want in your life, to create a good habit that you want, get rid of a bad habit. If you want to read more about this, oh my gosh, I've read so many books that kind of revolve around this concept. Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg is one, Atomic Habits by James um The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin is one, and she talks about... Um, the type of personality you have and how that relates to habits but that kind of has to do with this topic Um, another one is triggers by Marshall Goldsmith oh and the power of habit by Charles Duhigg that is a really good one as well so all right that's all I've got for you today gals I hope that you subscribe to this podcast I hope you like the podcast if you want to email me and say hi um, you can I will link it in the show notes And oh, yeah, if you want to listen to my other podcast, it is about being a stay at home mom with a side business. So it gives you all kinds of ideas for creating your side business. And I kind of talk to you about um, successful stay at home moms who have started their own side gig. That is the stay at home mompreneur. And I would love it if you went over there and subscribed to that podcast as well. I'm having all kinds of fun making these podcasts, you guys. I'm so glad that I stumbled upon this and I realized that I love doing it. So, all right. Thanks so much for being here. God bless. And I'll talk to you soon.